Hello and welcome into BTN's Big Ten Podcast. This is Alex Rue of BTN.com, and this is a special Big Ten Basketball Preview Edition of the Take Ten Podcast with basketball season coming up here in just a couple weeks. And with Big Ten Basketball Media Day just about a week or so in the rearview mirror, it took place on October 11th, this past Thursday in Chicago. So we definitely wanted to get an episode that previews the Big Ten Basketball season and kind of puts a bow on Big Ten Media Day, which was, like I said, about a week ago. And I was at Media Day, I was able to talk to Mike DeCorsi of the Sporting News, who's also a BTN contributor. He uh, had his ear to the ground and was walking around and taking notes and listening to the pressers at Big Ten Media Day. And I was able to catch up with him the day after and get his thoughts on, on the event and also get quite a bit of his time to preview the Big Ten basketball season and go pretty well in depth on the teams in the Big Ten. So this is kind of a bonus episode this week. Uh, just one interview today. It's with Mike. And if you listened uh, to the, this week's previous episode, we had Eric Gordon on of the Houston Rockets. And we also did a stat head segment with BTN researcher Harold Shelton. So this is a separate episode, just one interview. But it is kind of a bonus that I definitely wanted to get in and, and get on the books because we do have basketball season coming up. And I wanted to preview the league extensively. So we did that with Mike. So yeah, plenty of hoops this week. Um, pretty much double the content this week on the Take 10 podcast. And we'll get to that interview with Mike DeCourcy in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about a master's program in the School of Professional Studies at Northwestern University for anyone out there who might be looking to build a career in sports. You can build a solid foundation in strategic, creative, and analytic skills that are essential for success in the business of sports in the master's program in sports administration at Northwestern University. Find out more at sps.northwestern.edu sports. All right, now we'll get to our Big Ten Basketball Media Day recap and Big Ten Basketball College Basketball Preview with the Sporting News, Mike DeCourcy. That interview starts right now. Very pleased to be joined by a national writer for the Sporting News. It's also a BTN contributor during basketball season. It's Mike DeCourcy. You can follow him on Twitter at TSN Mike. Mike, how's it going? I'm very well, Alex. How are you? Doing great. It was good to see you yesterday. Saw you roaming around the Hyatt Regency in Rosemont. So just off the top, did you have any big takeaways from Big Ten Media Day yesterday from the uh, event that kind of kicks off basketball season, other than the 14 coaches you know, all saying how excited they are for the season to get started? Well, I think in the end, the big the, the big takeaways were delivered by the Michigan coaches uh, uh, in different ways. Uh, Michigan State coach Tom Izzo, after basically declining to speak about the ESPN report that had been highly critical of him and that had conflated uh, that criticism with the Larry Nasser case, including a illustration that featured. Uh, it, not in the same picture, but in the same illustration, uh, Larry Nasser, the disgraced sex abuser who's in jail for like the next 175 years or something, along with Mark D'Antonio, the football coach, and Tom. And Tom was was really upset by that illustration, putting him in that same category. Uh, he found to, he, he he mentioned yesterday that it was unwarranted and basically said it was one of the low points of his life and and that you know and he he came out uh uh very emphatically defending himself yesterday i did not anticipate that he would do that honestly i thought that uh given that that 
Michigan State uh, was one of the few schools that mentioned in a positive light in the New York trial of the two Adidas executive, former Adidas executives, and the and the one former agency representative, um, I thought that he would maybe try to like do a little, uh, you know, strutting over that. But instead, he went back to the to the to that ESPN report from eight months ago or so, and he talked. Gosh, for I, I taped I taped two segments of it that added up to about fifty minutes. Uh, so he was talking about it for a long time. Uh, and so that was one takeaway was, you know, what he had to say and, and him opening up about that and how it hurt him. Um, and at, while at the same time, you know, mentioning his support for those who survived Nasser's abuse, he wanted to make it very clear that he had n- he didn't know Nasser and never dealt with them and had nothing to do with them. Um, and then, but then the other takeaway was John Beeline very emphatically, and I've never seen a coach do this before, just because uh, most coaches fear that um, that even if they're doing everything right, somebody they don't know about might be doing some wrong. Uh, John Beeline stood up yesterday and said, um, "We don't break rules, and I'm you know, and I know we're clean, and I'm not worried about anything else because I know that that we're not doing anything wrong." and and, and, and you know, to me, it, 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 you know, it, over and above what he was saying about Michigan, was a statement very strongly in favor of college basketball, in a sense, because it, his statement, it, if you know, if you if you are Michigan and you are clean, well, then you can win big and recruit great players being clean. Because we're talking about a school that's had seven number one picks under Beeline, first-round NBA picks, a team that's played in two NCAA championship games since 2013, uh, that won the Big Ten tournament last March. Uh, so you can you can win big doing it the right way, so to speak. I hate to use that phrase because it's so often used as cover for people who don't. But um, I, I, I found that his uh, his – just uh, absolute uh, declaration that we do it right uh, and we are not breaking rules. Most coaches won't go that far because there are a lot of moving parts on any college campus. And even though those people may be not necessarily related to the basketball program in any way, they can still break rules and it can come back on you. But John was defiant about that and, and good for him. I mean, that I, I thought it was great for college basketball that the most recent NCAA runner-up could stand up and say that. Yeah, and as much as media day can kind of be forgettable and, and just quotes that you know kind of are obligatory every year, that's interesting that you had at least a couple things that stood out in that sense. Um, and I want to kind of expand on that. FBI investigation since you brought it up and, and since I asked you about it a year ago when we did this preview podcast and I asked you about the potential fallout a year ago and the revelations have been interesting and, and the, the court cases have been fascinating to follow since then but I think the fallout as far as actual uh, consequences haven't been as big at least as big as I expected um, if you would have asked me a year ago today. So Mike where are we at in this whole thing and where do you see the investigation heading? There's, there's court cases playing out in the last couple of weeks and uh, do, you, do you see any extra or added consequences playing out as we get into the second season now of, since this whole story broke? You know, I, I think if you go back, I, I, I haven't listened to that podcast in a while, but I know my attitude toward that in, in a lot of interviews that I did and some of the things that I wrote at the time was the people who are saying it's the tip of the iceberg, 
I didn't buy that because I didn't feel that if the FBI felt like that there were other marks, so to speak, that they could get involved in these in these wiretaps, uh, that they would have continued to pursue it. There was no reason to shut it down. There was nothing uh, compelling. There was no time frame that they had to shut it down by or anything like that. If they felt that there were other uh, people that they could get involved, they would have done that. I think they felt like they had made a very good case uh, that they that it was gone had gone as far as they could it could and and then they you know they they so they stopped the uh, you know the uh, the the sting part of the investigation and then they made their announcements last September so I knew that there would be some people that would still come out but I didn't think that uh, you know there was a whole iceberg under all that that there would you know, there would be sort of uh, you know some of the names might be big. Um, and of course, uh, you know the the um, the involvement of uh, uh, the alleged involvement of a player at Kansas, for instance, was not known at that time. So some of the programs that have since been um, included in in some way, shape, or form into this case, whether you know, like Kansas has not been charged with anything, but one of their players is uh, alleged to, uh, the, uh, a representative of one of the players is alleged to have received money. Um, it, it, so there have been people that have been brought in, but it's not been an enormous flood of big names and big coaches and big schools and all that. It's just been a few. And that's what I thought it would be then. Uh, and I still think that'll be the way it plays out as we continue to go forward through, there's, there's, there are scheduled to be two more trials. This is this one will, will continue on for another uh, week or two. And then I believe in February, if I remember correctly, don't hold me to that, uh, there will be a second. Um, but I don't expect that, uh, that this is going to shake all the way through college basketball. I've always thought that... Uh, that if they could get, if they thought they could have gotten more and bigger names, they would have done so. Yeah, and I feel like it'll kind of play out like it did last year. That it'll be a big story when basketball's not going on, and then when the games start and the ball rolls out, a lot of it will be forgotten. And we'll talk about the games themselves and the, the teams and get a little deeper into the previews in just a moment. But outside of basketball, I wanted to point out two things about Media Day yesterday. I think the suits and the outfits in general are getting better each year at these things, and and. I don't know, uh, you've seen a lot of these media days, I'm sure, but a lot of the fashion was uh, on point yesterday. And also, the lunch spread at that hotel was phenomenal. Uh, I'm sure you've had a lot of stale press box food over the years, but the food as well was, was on point yesterday. I'm not sure if you got to sample that. I did. I, the only thing I did was I grabbed one of the uh, um, uh, s'more uh, dessert cups. It was like a chocolate yeah. uh, it was like a chocolate mousse with a graham cracker crust and a marshmallow on top. That was good. That was all I ate. I, You're missing I out on the lunch. The eat, lunch was fantastic. I tend not to eat pressed food for the most part. Um, I just uh, uh, I don't like people thinking that's why I'm there. Not not the people who are offering it, which is very generous, but the people who are reading me uh, and are out there thinking that I'm dining on free food and all that. I, you know, I, I don't like people to think that. So I very rarely, uh, only in an emergency. Uh, will I will I do that? Um, so that's one. Uh, two is uh, that uh, that if you you know in, in, if you look at uh, uh, Jawan Morgan yesterday, uh, Bruno Fernando was phenomenal. Um, I I, re- I thought Isaac Copeland looked really sharp. Um, I thought that there were you know there were some really 
uh, you know, there, there were some really good outfits there, and I am somewhat, somewhat of a fashion connoisseur. I like that they, you know, they were really sharp without, um, without, uh, you know, going over the top. Uh, and, and I will say that my, one of my proud moments, okay, of yesterday and maybe of the last two or three years was that Carson Edwards was wearing a pair of shoes that I own. There you and go. so I'm, that was, that was huge for me. <laughs> yeah. And I know you mentioned Bruno Fernando. He was eager to show off the Gucci belt and the Gucci shoes and they were matching. So that was great. And yeah, those other guys you brought up, especially Carson Edwards, the shoes. He also had the no socks. I don't know if you rock the no socks. Look. Yeah, see, I, I don't rock those shoes with no socks, uh, and I'm shocked that like, it, see, I'm not, I'm not a sockless person. I, I like I would wear like six pairs of socks if I could. You you keep know? Those I, I want I want something covering my feet. I don't like my toes to get cold. <laughs> but uh, he, he looked sharp. He did, uh, and and I, I I I didn't get a chance to tell him that I had those shoes. But uh, now I'm proclaiming on the podcast that. Uh, I'm rocking the same shoes as uh, as the preseason Big Ten Player of the Year. And we also won't be looking out for any uh, press box food reviews from you anytime soon. So no, 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 nope, not going to happen. All right, so we'll uh, take it now to some actual basketball talk. And every year I feel like the preseason talking point as the title drought goes on for the Big Ten into its 18th or 19th year now, or whatever it is, uh, the question is if the Big Ten team will break that title drought. And obviously that's – you know, impossible to predict right now, but after watching last year and seeing Michigan's phenomenal run uh, to the title game where they ran into a Villanova team that probably was more talented, that was more complete, it kind of leads into my question, looking at preseason top 25s and Andy Katz's top 36 that he put out this week, looks like there's a bunch of solid teams in, or a handful of solid teams in the Big Ten in the middle of the pack, but on paper, no real elite teams. Do you agree with that notion, and, and do you think uh, any of the Top 15-ish Big Ten teams could maybe make a jump into uh, that the ranks of the elite with uh, Gonzaga, Kentucky, Kansas, that class of the of college basketball? Well, you know, I, I, you said it's impossible to predict. I think it's very possible to predict. Well, now, one could predict it wrong, and probably I will, but I don't see uh, a likely championship contender in the Big Ten, a national championship contender. I think that uh, usually you need... Uh, you, you need you need some guys that are really um, elite to do that. And a year ago at this time, we knew that Jalen Brunson was a first-team All-America level player. And so Villanova eventually adding on a second in Mikhail Bridges, him developing and blossoming from a very, very good player into a great player, and then all the other guys. I mean, they had just an incredible number of guys make strides. The only team that you look at in the Big Ten and say, well, they can do that is Michigan State. They have guys who are very talented, um, but that they – you know, do they have a guy that you know is going to be great and, and that you feel comfortable saying, I think he's going to be great? I don't look at – honestly, I, I, you know, I, I feel comfortable saying Carson Edwards is going to be a great player. Uh, Jawan Morgan, I think, is going to be a great player. Uh, but I don't see the same level of team around them. Michigan State, if I could look at them and say, you know, my, if they had, you know, sophomore year Miles Bridges – you know, I'd feel very good about them taking a shot at winning it because they do have a lot of terrific players, uh, and I and I think they'll be helped by their freshmen. But I don't know. You know, I don't. I, I, I'm not saying that none, that Josh Langford couldn't be, or Cassius Winston couldn't be, or maybe even Nick Ward. Although, you know, his style of greatness is maybe a little bit out of style. Um, 
I, you know, I, 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 I'm not saying they can't. I'm just saying I don't feel great confidence that that will happen, that, that, that those players will play at the level that you usually need one or more players to reach in order to be a national championship contender. Yeah, and outside of having maybe a, a surefire elite team heading into the season, one thing I think I want to see out of the Big Ten is having that solid depth in, in the middle of the conference, as far as teams go, show improvement. Because last year, it was definitely a down year as far as teams getting into the tournament. You only saw four teams get in, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Purdue. So I want to know just if you're looking on paper and projecting to March here, do you see the Big Ten bouncing back and getting – a bigger crop in the, in the NCAA tournament, maybe an Indiana or Wisconsin comes back to a level that we've seen in the past. Uh, I think that's that's going to be a big thing I'm going to look for this year. It's just that overall quality and the depth in the conference. Yeah, you know, I think that the league can be extremely deep. Uh, a lot, you know, we have seen this league have some really bad luck teams. Um, Minnesota a year ago would be the you know the poster example of that uh, they went into the year coming off of 24 wins with pretty much everybody back except one player and then injury 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 uh, suspension I mean they, they just had so many things go wrong and of course Wisconsin had multiple injuries as well from a team that needed everything to go right to be tournament worthy and instead everything went wrong and uh, and so that sort of thing played out for a lot of teams in the league. And I, I, you, this is a year in which you need uh, teams, things to go right. Uh, uh, health is huge. Um, guys may be blossoming that you don't necessarily see. For instance, Indiana, I think, has everything it needs to be very good and, and to be close to, close to excellence, except who runs the show. Um, do they have a guy that you feel really comfortable saying, okay, get the ball into our offense? Most of Arch's teams at Dayton had uh, Scoochie Smith, and they knew that they could run a, they could run their offense. I mean, they had a, uh, his better teams all had multiple point guards or Scoochie by the time he was at the end of his career, and it always worked. And now, you know, last year Indiana didn't work because it didn't have a point guard, and now – uh, with this team, is it you know is is it Robert Fennessy and the freshman is Devonte Green? You know he's a good player, but is he a point guard? That's you know that's a that's a question. So I, that's for them is is an issue for a team like Wisconsin. You know, do the do, does 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 the return to health of all the players who were injured last year, including obviously Brad Davison, um, does their return to health make them the team that? It can be. I, I think. I think so. I think Wisconsin's going to be very good, but they can't have any of those kinds of hiccups. Uh, I, if you look down, even down to the bottom of the uh, to, to the bottom of the projected standings, or toward the bottom of the projected standings, you see teams that have ability. Uh, Penn State, I think, picked in you know close to tenth, ninth or tenth. Um, that's a team that has a rock solid front court. Pat Chambers sat there yesterday and said that our front court can play with anybody in the country. He's right. Uh, the backcourt, don't know. Uh, Jamari Wheeler, uh, you know, was a part-time player as a freshman. Um, you know, some of their freshmen could maybe fill the holes left by Tony Carr, uh, but uh, that's a big question for them. And you know, their offense, you know, struggled at times, even with you know a pro-level guard averaging 20 points a game. They they need to get more fluidity into their offense, and they need the freshmen to be able to to contribute. 
Uh, I look at a team like uh, Iowa that has a lot of talent, a lot of good players, a lot of. But last year was one of you know one of the worst high major defensive teams in the country. I looked at it yesterday. I think they were rated 242, I think, in defensive efficiency. Uh, and the, they, they're just, they just have too many good players for that to continue. Um, but if it's, you know, if they, if they improve by, you know, by a hundred spots, they're still not good enough. I mean, they got to get themselves into, into the double digits, uh, as a defensive team. And if they can do that with a t- offense that was, I think last year was rated 15th or something like that, you know, then they can be competitive at the upper reaches of the big 10. So all those, you know, you can keep going. I, I could keep going all day on teams that have a chance. Minnesota, which I talked about being decimated last year, um, you know, they've got a lot of their guys back now that that missed or, or missed all or most of last year. And Jordan Murphy, who was such a, a warrior through all that, uh, but they lost their point guard. And is Isaiah Washington that guy uh, to to replace Nate Mason? They play much differently. They they have much different orientations. Um, I don't know whether that clicks or not. Uh, there are more questions than in, in the Big Ten than there are in a lot of leagues, but they also have more answers uh, in the Big Ten than a lot of leagues. There were, there were ten players on the um, preseason all-conference team, and I'm not a fan of that. Um, I, for me, it's like if you're going to do that, divide it up into two teams, I'm cool with that, but ten guys – you know, I, I, that's a lot, but uh, there wasn't room in, the, in those 10 guys for Tyler Cook. And my thought was, I'm not, I, I wasn't asked to vote, um, and I'm not calling out the people who did vote, but I'm saying that if Tyler Cook is not one of the 10 best players in this league, it's a pretty good league. Yeah, good point. And I, I saw the 10, uh, 10 players on the conference team. I, didn't, I guess I didn't realize they did that. I thought it was always five, like you said. Maybe they could split it up. But it was interesting uh, to see, and, and yeah, Tyler Cook is a beast. But to your point, if Iowa can't play defense, you know they're not going to win many games. So it, it definitely wasn't cutting it last year, like you said, in the in the mid two hundreds, and that's kind of astounding to to hear. Um, before we kind of break up, I want to get into the the uh, tiers of the league and kind of break up some teams and try and, and place them into tiers as we head into the season here. But before we do that, I want to answer or try and address one question that uh, is going to be new in the conference this year, and that's the move to 20 conference games from the previous total of 18. And Commissioner Delaney last year kind of admitted how the compacted schedule may have had an impact on teams uh, as they broke it down before the Big Ten tournament in New York City, and and it kind of looked like teams were getting tired, wearing down, and Jim Delaney admitted that might have been an issue. So do you think this move to 20 conference games will have any sort of impact, or is it something that we just – might not even notice. Well, I think it. I, I think the first thing it does is that it offers greater legitimacy to your regular season championship. I'm a big regular season championship guy. Uh, you know, I I love the league races. I think they're the most underrated element of college basketball. And as that as the as the importance of the regular season has declined. Um, it's it sort of coincided with the leagues getting bigger and therefore the league schedules impacting how those races played out. Now, we're still not going to have a full double round robin in the Big Ten. That would require, I think, a 26-game schedule. Yeah, 26 games. Uh, so we're not going to have that. But 20 gets you closer to a, you know, to, to the, to, to the 
conference championship being, you know, as weighty as it can be under the current circumstances. Basically, if you if you were to go to 26 games as a regular season so that you could have a double round robin, um, you're almost playing on an island and how your league, your league would be would be almost impossible to judge relative to tournament bids and such. So 20 is a number that I think is workable. You can still build a non-conference schedule around that. Uh, It's harder and every big time game you play um, is going to, you're going to feel it even more because you you ha, you know you, you can't bury it under you know as many buy games so to speak, uh, but uh, what it also does in going to twenty is it heightens the importance of those crossover games that each team does play. Uh, anytime you play an ACC team or a uh, or a Big Twelve team or a really good American team like say Ohio State when they play Cincinnati uh, or a Gonzaga, uh, when you play those teams. Uh, you are play- you, the, the, the game is that much more important for everyone in the league. I mean, I think they'll all need to be even bigger cheerleaders for each other than they have in the past, uh, because uh, those you know those um, games are so much more important. Uh, you know, one of the things that I wonder about, um, because those games become heightened in importance, as as the ACC Big Ten Challenge has evolved, um, it's you know, it's always almost always been a little bit favorable to the ACC. Uh, and the reason for that is their marquee programs, their, you know, their marquee programs have been consistently good. Uh, Duke, Carolina in particular, you know, a few others behind that. Uh, whereas the teams that, you know, in the, in the Big Ten that you know, are marquee and get, good rate, get great ratings like Indiana, they haven't always played to that top 15, top 20 level in the, in the challenge period. But Indiana still gets a Duke or a Carolina or somebody like that. Uh, and so I've always felt like those matchups weren't necessarily favorable uh, for the league at large. Uh, so I, I wonder if maybe, you know, the league starts to take a little bit of, you know, a little bit harder line toward, and this is something to think about, toward, um, you know, the, the going more closely toward the projected order of finish. I mean, if if Purdue is going to be one of your best teams, Purdue needs to get one of the best teams in the other league or, or you know, so on and so forth. If it's Nebraska, which, you know, has not traditionally been a basketball power, but if Nebraska is the fourth best team in in this conference, and, 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 you know, that's what the projection is now, and it might be, I mean, they need to play a team of equivalent value on the other side. I think, I think to an extent they are with Clemson this year. I like seeing that. I think that, that um, you know, but if, if Nebraska were the best team, say, would they have gotten Carolina or Duke? I don't think that's the way it would have been matched. Yeah, that's a good point. And what I'm going to be curious to see is if a 20-game schedule kind of drags down the overall perception of the conference if they don't do well in the, in the non-conference. Because – if you have a situation like last year where some Big Ten teams don't necessarily perform well in something like the ACC Challenge and then a lot of them fall out of the top 25, and then they beat each other up in a 20-game conference schedule, it, it kind of drags down, like I said, the overall perception of the conference as opposed to what you see maybe from a conference like the Big 12 last year where all of those schools kind of went into the conference schedule. A, a lot of them were ranked in the top 25, and then when they would play each other, they wouldn't really drop out. The, the perception would remain high because they w- they – upheld their you know national perception 
in the non-conference. And then it, it's kind of like college football when, you know, the SEC teams and a lot of their, uh, you know, their high esteem is, is, was well-earned, but a lot of them will beat up on each other and not really drop in the polls and, and their perception won't fall because they're already perceived to be good. So I'm, I'm curious to see. I think it go one of two ways. Either the Big Ten can do well in the non-conference and head into the Big Ten play with uh, a handful of ranked teams and then that stock won't really slide if they beat up on each other or go the other way when it, it kind of drags the teams down in the muck. So we'll see how it plays out, but it's definitely going to be something interesting to follow. Um, I th- Alex, I think that an answer to your question is sort of found in Nebraska's experience and to a lesser extent Penn State's experience last sure. year. Yeah. Um, because Nebraska, because the perception of the league was down because they did not perform uh, out of conference at the level that they needed to as as a collective as a league um, Nebraska goes in and doesn't you know doesn't so to speak get beat up on you know they 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 went 13 and 5 and still didn't get into the tournament Penn State was sort of in that get beat you know get beat beat up on each other kind of mode cuz they wound up 500 um, but they don't get in either and so i think that that's what i'm saying i, I really believe that um, those, you know, when when the when the package of games gets smaller, um, those games are heightened in importance. So for every team in the league's sake, every team in the league needs to perform as well as possible in non-conference scheduling. I mean, in non-conference uh, performance, they, they need to play well uh, and win games. You know, they need to beat the Seton Halls and uh, and Clemson's and and so on. And and you know, Illinois needs to win the Bragg and Rights game. Uh, you know, for the sake for you know for the sake of each other, all those things will contribute to the value of a Big Ten win. And now that you know, now that you're going to play more games, um, you know, the value of the Big Ten win becomes heightened in importance for each member. Absolutely, well said. So it'll be interesting to follow this year, and uh, from Big Ten standpoint, hopefully they get off to a little better start than they did in the non-conference last year. Um, so as we go through, kind of the Big Ten uh, team by team, and I, I kind of want to break it up into tiers. And really, the only t- teams that I'm sure or not sure, but confident in that can finish in a top tier uh, in the Big Ten, maybe a, say a top three or four this year is Michigan State, Michigan, and I really do believe Nebraska will fall into that top tier as well. And, and I don't know if I'm leaving anyone out, in your opinion, if you think maybe Purdue or Indiana or Wisconsin or Minnesota can sneak in, but I want to get your input to see if uh, schools like Purdue or Indiana, Wisconsin, Minnesota, or, or anyone else could sneak into that top tier. And if you agree that Nebraska is, is up there with the likes of Michigan and Michigan State. Well, I think Nebraska should be, and, and they – they, they expressed a great deal, deal of confidence uh, collectively on media day. I think they feel very good about their team, uh, and I think rightfully so. Now they you know, they they did lose uh, you know some members of their rotation, but uh, they have you know a really strong core of players. I talked to Tim Miles a little bit about Glenn Watson. Uh, you know, a year ago he came off two seasons in which. Uh, you know, as Tim said, there, there was no such thing as a bad shot. Uh, whatever Glenn could get off was probably better than a lot of what they would do otherwise. So uh, he had a particular style, and then all of a sudden he's got good teammates. I mean, he's got James Palmer, who can really score, and he's got Isaac Copeland, who's a very good player, and, uh, and he's got Isaiah Roby, who I think is one of the most talented players in the league. 
Um, it, though, though, he's got all these guys around him, and I don't think that it, it was an easy adjustment for him last year. Uh, but I think Tim feels like that Glenn's going to be able to make that adjustment and be more of a pure point and, you know, take his shots when they're open and easy um, and also, you know, use his really good playmaking ability, individual playmaking ability to beat shot clock problems. Uh, and so I think that I think they might flow a little better even than they did last year, uh, that, that, that they'll be more consistent in, within games. And so I, I do think they have a chance to be excellent. Um, you know, Wisconsin, I, I, after you know, sitting with them some yesterday and, and looking at Brad and, and, and what a difference it makes in, in him um, to have two good shoulders and Ethan Happ uh, having such a gifted player back. And then you get, you, 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 you get um, you know, Demetri Trice back. And so you know, he gives you a shooter and a playmaker and, and you're not as, you know, as reliant on Brad to do, you know, Brad was doing everything he, everything the offense could ask with one arm. Uh, you know, so now they, there won't be as much asked of him, and he has two arms. So, uh, you know, that's, that, that makes a huge difference, I think. Uh, I, I think that they have a chance to be on that tier as well. I'll be interested to see Purdue, because a lot of the predictions on Purdue have been very strong. Uh, you know, they've been picked very well uh, in a lot of different things. You know, they lost so much. Um, you know, they lost, you know, career guys who were, you know, started almost every game. And, uh, and, and that's, you know, that's not easy to, to reset after you lose that much ability. So, you know, they obviously still have the best player in the league in Carson Edwards. Uh, and that's certainly a help. And they don't have to change their style much because they still have a seven-foot center, an over-seven-foot center in Matt Harms. He's different than Isaac Haas, but uh, he gives you a base uh, of what you, you know, of what you have done recently. He gives you somebody that you can play in the low post. You had Big E, you had Isaac, and now you have Matt Harms. Uh, but do they have enough guys that, that can play at that level? At the, at the, and I'm not talking. I'm not talking about the Division One level. I'm talking about at the at the winning the Big Ten or contending for the Big Ten championship level. Uh, I think Matt's a fantastic coach, uh, but living up to the expectations that have been presented for them by a lot of analysts to this point, I think will be one of his better challenges. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of variance kind of in that middle of the pack, and it'll depend on. And who rises to the top, you know, into that top tier will depend on, you know, just kind of who emerges. I mean, you pointed out Minnesota has some talent back with Amir Coffey, Jordan Murphy. But like you said, if Isaiah Washington can make a leap, maybe they, they're better. Maybe uh, if Indiana figures out their point guard situation and Romeo Langford is good to advertise, I have a lot of confidence in them being a top four team in the Big Ten. And, and a team like Maryland, you know, they lost a lot, unexpectedly losing Kevin Herter. And they still have Anthony Cowan. They have... Uh, Daryl Morsell coming back, who I think is poised for a big year, and they have uh, Bruno coming back. So not everybody from that kind of middle tier can emerge, but I think uh, a couple of those teams certainly will. I think I have the most confidence in Indiana to do so uh, out, out of all of them. And I want to get your opinion as well on some teams that might be near the bottom of the Big Ten that we haven't talked about yet or haven't talked about in depth, but a team that might be better than projected or expected right now um, that might rise up above some of their projections. I'm talking teams like Iowa, who we touched on, Ohio State, who lost a lot, Illinois, who has probably the biggest uh, range of unknowns as far as new arrivals and newcomers go, Northwestern, who you know you're at a kind of 
interesting juncture under Chris Collins here, and then he brought up Penn State. So who's a team that might be better than expected in the Big Ten, a team that might outpace their projections here? Well, you know, I, I actually got a chance to go see Northwestern practice on the day before Big Ten Media Day, and I went in expecting not a lot, uh, and I was very pleasantly surprised by what, you know, I, we, we all know Derek Pardon is an outstanding uh, big man, and he's been that in the league for a long time. Uh, but uh, they've got uh, a lot of ability in that, you know, in that uh, in that locker room that uh, maybe obviously people haven't seen yet um, at the in, in the Big Ten. I mean, AJ Turner uh, transferred from Boston College, uh, a very capable, uh, good athlete can you know can can get points a lot of different ways, can play multiple positions. I could, could see him playing uh, three or four different positions depending on what the, the Wildcats need. And, you know, I, I was just blown away uh, by Ryan Taylor, uh, the transfer from Evansville, who a year ago led the, the Missouri Valley Conference in scoring and is a grad transfer now with the Wildcats. And, I mean, he was mesmerizing in that practice. Now, I don't expect him to, make, to play every Big Ten game the way he played that day, uh, because if he does, he'll be a first-team All-American. Uh, but uh, he's a really, really good player. He does a lot of things well. Uh, he's, he, he's, his movements are economical. Uh, his... his uh, He's great at making tough shots, uh, obviously very good at making open shots. Uh, was a 42% three-point shooter last year, and, and, and he's an excellent free-throw shooter if he can get himself fouled. Now, he didn't get that done a lot, uh, even as a, you know, as a primary option at Evansville, uh, but he, you know, he makes his free-throws. So they have, they have some real weapons there, and Again, things have to go right and have to break right, and they're another team that is weak at. You know, the one 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 of the sort of the constant themes through a lot of teams in the Big Ten is that question mark at point guard, which is the most important position on the floor. Uh, they're another team that has a question there. Uh, Jordan Nash uh, was injured uh, at the end of last season and, and had off-season surgery, and is just getting back, and uh, and so he's not, you know totally there yet uh and so they don't really know a hundred percent where they go uh do they try to you know make anthony Gaines their point guard um and, and then you know it's really for them i think they've, i think they've already decided that uh that they're going to you know that the real key is to get the ball into their offense and they're going to do stuff that's not as point guard reliant as what they did when they had brandon mcintosh for four years um, excuse me, Brian McIntosh, uh, when they had him for four years. Uh, I think they're going to do things that aren't as point guard reliant, but they still have to make sure that they get the ball uh, up into the offense and, and do it as quickly as possible so you can run efficient offense. How about some teams that have something to prove next year? I, I want to get your thoughts on which teams maybe have the most to prove in the Big Ten. Uh, in my opinion, I look at a couple of teams that took steps back. Uh, we talked a lot about Iowa and just talked a lot about Northwestern. I think those two have a lot to prove heading into this season. And I think Penn State also has something to prove, kind of building on their NIT championship, you know, taking another maybe not significant leap forward, but another positive step under Pat Chambers, even though they've lost Tony Carr. I think it's important for them to continue to show that this thing is headed in the right direction. I want to get your thoughts on uh, which teams you think might be coming out with a chip on their shoulder and have uh, might have some 
more at stake than other teams in the Big Ten? Well, you know, I think Indiana, in taking, you know, in, in recruiting Romeo Langford, they accelerated their timetable. I mean, when you recruit a player who is uh, considered, you know, to be a top five in his class and, and a potential one-and-done player, uh, you are saying, we need to be good now. You're saying, you know, that's and Romeo is a very, very gifted um, player from not just from a physical standpoint, but from a mental standpoint. I mean, I, I don't think it's his ideal position, but he would, he might even, if things don't go right, he might even be an answer at point guard, you know, in the in, the, uh, in an emergency, um, because he's he's really he has a he's a great feel for the games, an excellent passer, has a great basketball IQ. Um, but I think when you have a guy like that on your team, uh, you have you know whatever he produces, you kind of have to do it now. You ha- and I, I don't know what it is. I mean, I don't know what you have, you know, what this Indiana team has to do in order to fulfill, uh, you know that um, you know that potential. But I think at minimum, it starts with getting back to the tournament. I mean, when you bring in a player like that. Uh, I think you expect and your fans expect that you're at least going to do that. And then, you know, how, you know, what sort of, what the horizon is beyond that, you know, somewhat depends on what we talked about before and, you know, and whether you do get that point guard thing figured out and, you know, uh, whether you do stay healthy, uh, healthier than maybe you did two years ago when you were, you know, a tournament contender and things went wrong. So uh, I, I think that that's the team I would circle as, you know, as you know, kind of a prove it team because of uh, you know they you know they are in a building process, but they accelerated the timeline by recruiting a you know a potential one and done player. Indiana's my pick, I think, to make the biggest leap from last season to this one. I I was going back and forth between them and Wisconsin, but I think Indiana has the highest ceiling and the potential to be an elite team in the Big Ten. I want to get your opinion on uh, which team do you think will. Make a big leap in the Big Ten or teams could be could be multiple, but who do you think stands to see the biggest jump this season? Well, based on you know last year's results, I I have a hard time not thinking Iowa doesn't because I mean they just it, they they just have to have more pride than they showed at times last year. I had someone give me a stat yesterday um, that Iowa and I didn't verify this, but it's a you know it's a stat that certainly. Uh, woke me up, but they were behind by 17 points um, in the, in every single Big Ten road game in the second half of every single Big Ten road game last year. Now, I, again, that stat is unverified. It's not even checked through the great Harold Shelton uh, of BTN fame. Uh, but uh, if, you know, if that's if that's anywhere close to reality, um, you know, that's just they they just have to be better than that. They were four and 14 in the league last year. Uh, I just can't see them not at least coming close. To, you know, I, you know, five hundred is now ten and ten. That's you know, you know, at least doubling their league wins. You know, you get two extra games to try to do that. Uh, I'll be stunned if they don't uh, if they don't come close to doubling or, or or double their league wins. All right, Mike. Well, before we wrap up, I do want to get uh, some analysis, some actual games coming up, or at least some games that you're looking forward to because the season's going to get here. Before we know it, I think fans this time of year don't really realize how quick the basketball season sneaks up, and we have some marquee matchups coming up as soon as the first week in November. So what are some uh, early season games and, and big matchups you're excited to see? we got the Champions Classic, like I mentioned right off the bat, features Michigan State and Kansas. 
Uh, Maui will be here before we know it, and all the other Thanksgiving and holiday tournaments. What are some big matchups in the first month or so of the season that you got your eyes on? Well, one of the first of those uh, would be on November 14th. I, I, Champions Classic, Michigan State against Kansas. That's you know that's going to start my season. It happens to be here in Indianapolis. Um, I don't live in Indianapolis just because the Final Four comes here every now and then, and the Champions Classic does too, but it is a nice added benefit. Uh, so that will be uh, the first week of the season. The second week of the season, uh, Michigan will go uh, to Villanova. Yeah, rematch. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, the, the title game rematch, um, you know, a chance for Michigan to test itself. Obviously, you know, these are not the same teams, but a lot of the players who played in those games, you know, though, in that game, I should say, uh, are the same players. Uh, so, you know, that's you know that's going to be a very interesting test for the for the Wolverines and for the league at large. That same night, uh, Marquette plays Indiana in Bloomington, another tremendous game. I I, I was talking to I believe it was Steve Bardo, uh, who had been to watch Marquette practice. I think he, Steve has an early telecast with the Golden Eagles, and so he went went out of his way to to go watch them practice and was effusive in his praise of the Golden Eagles think they can really be good. And so that's a, you know, and, and one of the things that's interesting, that that's a great opportunity for the league because um, if Steve is right about Marquette and he's usually right about most basketball things, they're going to go on and have a great season. And of course, Indiana's home court has been so successful for them. Uh, it brought the Hoosiers up to the level of the best teams in the league last year, even though they didn't get every win. Uh, it got them a win in the uh, 2016-17 season against Carolina, which went on to win the national championship. So getting a chance to play Marquette at home, uh, I think that's huge for the Hoosiers. Yeah, and I think that's a Gavit Games matchup, and I, I really believe the Gavit Games in the last few years, since that's been added to the schedule, those matchups between the Big East and the Big Ten have been a lot of fun. It just adds another kind of marquee matchup for a lot of Big Ten teams and, and adds a level of interest in November, even before those holiday tournaments tip off. So those are going to be fun. Um, Mike, One other I'd like to mention, yeah. Alex, Go for uh, it. is, um, is the, the day after the Champions Classic, uh, the second day of the season, uh, in, in Cincinnati, uh, Ohio State will travel to Cincinnati, and Cincinnati will op- reopen the Shoemaker Center, their home court, uh, which has been in place since 1989. And the interesting thing about the Shoemaker Center was the day it was built, it was the envy of everybody in college basketball because it was a practice facility. They had they, when they drew the stands back. They had something like fifteen courts. I don't know exactly what the number was. There's some crazy number. You could they, and and so everybody in college basketball was like, wow, they they, they don't you know they have enough hoops. You know they don't have they have to wear a court space. And then somebody went out and I don't know who the first team was uh, built a practice facility. And then that day, whenever that was, it was you know it wasn't long after that. Then the Shoemaker Center became obsolete that day because it was never a good arena to watch a game. If the seats weren't constructed well to see, and uh, it was it was really hard to get a good seat there. There were about I don't know maybe two thousand good seats in the whole place, and it's and it held thirteen thousand one seventy six. So it, so. It, 
they needed to refurbish that. When Bob Goyne, I used to cover the Bearcats and live in Cincinnati, and when Bob Goyne was hired as athletic director in the late 90s, we were walking through the place, and I said, when are you going to fix this? Because I knew that they needed to retrofit the place. They didn't have to tear it down, but they needed to gut it and, and make, the, you know, make the seating appealing to fans. And he said, oh, yeah, we got to do that. And they never ended up getting to, to it until now. It's been almost nearly 20 years. Uh, Bob did a lot of good things, but that was one he wasn't able to get done. And so now they're going to have a new arena at Cincinnati. And, and Chris Holtman, it really, uh, it, you know, in a very beneficent gesture, uh, agreed to go down and play the Bearcats for the opening. Uh, they didn't want to play a bye game for the opening of an arena. And, and Chris yesterday uh, told me uh, it's good. those games are good for college basketball. Uh, and so it, Ohio State has, not, has only played Cincinnati a couple of times since they met for the national championship in 1962, I think it was. Uh, they played once in here in Indy in a in a uh, wooden challenge uh, doubleheader, and once in the NCAA tournament. And those are the only games they've played since the early 1960s. So, really cool little reunion kind of game uh, for two in-state Ohio school uh, Ohio schools. Yeah, and like you pointed out, the idea now of a home arena that can double as a practice facility because you roll some seats back seems so antiquated. It seems kind of like a high school type setup you know you, you roll the bleachers back and you have put pull the hoops down and then <laughs> you got a practice facility I, I don't know why no one said thought of the whole practice facility idea because i mean i covered teams that you know, they couldn't get enough hoops to shoot free throws on at times uh because they practiced they, they all practiced in their home arenas and you know you'd have 12 players or 15 players and and you only had sometimes only had two hoops available to you if it was the day before a game uh so they solved that problem but then somebody came along and figured out why don't we just build another building it right. works so much better <laughs> and it and it completely revolutionized the sport right i'm not that old but i'm old enough to remember when i think illinois built theirs it was yeah. one it was seen as pretty pretty uh new age revolutionary at the time late it 90s was. maybe and and now it's probably you know far one of the facilities that's farthest behind in the Big Ten, and that's why they're building a new one coming up here. Uh, but at the time, it was it was I remember going to it as a little kid, and it was seen as this revolutionary thing. Um, all right, Mike. Before we wrap up, I do want to get some predictions out of you, and I'll give some myself. Uh, just want to do top four teams finishing in the Big Ten and a Big Ten champion. I think we did this last year, so we want to continue the tradition and uh, just list your. Top four finishers in the Big Ten and a Big Ten champ. I'll actually start here, and um, I'll, I think it's going to be a close race at the top between the two Michigan schools, Michigan State and Michigan. I have them going 1-2 with Michigan finishing uh, with a back-to-back Big Ten regular season title, followed by Indiana. Like I said, I think they're going to make a big leap and kind of show the highest ceiling in the Big Ten and probably get better as the season goes along. And round that top four out with Nebraska, I think we'll just be solid all season long. I think we'll get back to the NCAA tournament, and I think they'll probably have a similar record to last year in uh, maybe not the Big Ten play, but overall probably have some better quality wins, and, and that'll get them over the hump and get them into the Big Ten or NCAA tournament. And uh, like I said, Michigan State will probably win a narrow race with the Wolverines, and uh, I don't have much confidence in that top four, but that's what I'm going with. So. Love to hear what, what you have in mind for the upcoming season here. Well, I have Michigan as well uh, winning 
the regular season championship. Uh, I think their freshmen, uh, uh, Johns, Brzezikas, are going to really help a lot. Uh, they'll make a big difference. One to four, uh, I feel really good. I, I mean, I really feel good one to five uh, about their starting line. I, I talked to J- uh, John about this at media day. I really like John Teske as a player. I really liked him with last year's teams at the time. Last year's team at the time he filled in for um, for Mo Wagner. I have my some slight reservations about how he fits with a team that's probably more dynamic uh, with Livers and uh, and Poole uh, added to, uh, uh, to to the players who were there last year. Um, you know, I, 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 I have some slight reservation, but John feels very good about John Teske uh, fitting with those guys and, and how he'll... So, I mean, if you're, if you're solid one to five and then you have freshmen coming in like they do, I feel pretty good about that team. You know, I think they're going to be an excellent defensive team. Uh, offensively, you know, they, they will lack Mo uh, in, in what he was able to do. Uh, but I think they'll have I think they'll have shooters coming off the bench. Uh, I think Robinson will have a, a better year even than he did, you know, tra- when he transferred over. Um, you know, I think that uh, you know I think I think he, he started out really strong and and I, he was still a very valuable contributor and made big plays. But you know, excuse me, not not Robinson, Charles Matthews. Excuse me, um, from Kentucky. Huh? Uh, Charles Matthews. Uh, he, he started out really strong, and then as the year went on, you know, he, there were times when he maybe had a little bit of trouble getting into his into the offense. Um, but I think he'll be much more comfortable with this group because they'll depend on him more uh, to, to, to spruce up the offense. So I think that uh, I think he's going to have a really good year. Um, Michigan State, number two, very feel very comfortable. They're finish, finishing first or second. Uh, this is done without knowledge of the of the schedule. I haven't studied each team's schedule to this point, uh, but I don't think schedule will be as consequential as it's been in the past uh, when, you know, when you played fewer games, uh, the, the schedule differences will even out more as you, you know, as you go to 20 games. I like Wisconsin. I, I think they're bouncing back. I do. I think they're, I think they're going in, they're going not only back into the tournament, but back into the upper echelon of the league. Uh, and then I, again, Nebraska is a nice, safe number four pick. I think feel pretty confident they're finishing fourth or fifth. Uh, you know, obviously uh, better to finish fourth than fifth, uh, in the Big Ten, but uh, uh, I think, you know, based on the way the tournament bracket's arranged, but uh, I, I feel really confident they're going to be right in that range. Yeah, I could really see Wisconsin, Purdue, or Minnesota sinking into that top four of the Big Ten this year for sure. And I know you brought up Duncan Robinson by accident there, but it's uh, pretty remarkable to see him now carving out a spot on the Miami Heat, at least in their organization. We'll see if he makes the opening day roster, but going from D3 to Michigan D1, you know, plays in a Final Four national championship, and then now looks like he's going to find himself in the NBA. That's pretty pretty cool story. Yeah, I mean, and not just from D3 to D1, but from D3 to D1 to the NCAA championship game. Right. Don't forget that. Now, it wasn't the most memorable night of his career, but he was a big part of, the, of why they got to that stage. And then, you know, the minute he, st- he steps onto an NBA court in a – you know, in a real game, uh, if that happens, and they very well could, uh, that's going to be one of the most remarkable rises in basketball history. Absolutely. Well, Mike, that's all I got for you today. Uh, sorry we didn't sit down at media day yesterday, but we got it done the day after on the phone. Uh, appreciate you giving all your insight, a lot to chew on, a lot to think about over these next 
several weeks as we get uh get going here, get get tipped off and uh get ready for another exciting basketball season. So I'm sure we'll be in touch throughout the season. Really appreciate your time. Oh, I very much enjoyed it, Alex. Thanks for, for having me on the podcast, and thanks for letting me get a head start to beat the Chicago traffic yesterday, because if we'd done this yesterday, I, I might still might not be home. <laughs> for sure, Mike. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks once again to Mike for joining me. Really appreciate his time. Always good having him on. We'll see him a lot this upcoming basketball season here in studio, and we'll follow his work on the sporting news as well. All right, so we'll have plenty more basketball content to come here on the Take 10 Podcast, plenty more football content as well as football season comes down the home stretch and basketball season heats up and gets going here in the next few weeks. Uh, We'll definitely try and get uh, some more preview content and definitely some in-depth basketball analysis as the season gets underway. So be on the lookout for all that and keep it locked to the Take 10 Podcast and subscribe on any of iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, our YouTube channel, Definitely subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Don't miss any of the great stuff we have coming out each and every week. All right, once again, I want to thank my producer, Julie Bronder, who does a great job as always. Assistant producer, Colleen Degnan. I want to thank everyone out there for listening. And we will talk to you next time here on the Take 10 Podcast.